The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are very excited. This is the debut of Season 5 of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We started the series several years ago, and they just keep on coming back for more because so many of you around the world are cherished global listeners, and I know there are hundreds of thousands of you in over 1,000 locations all over the world. You want to know about financial excellence for your businesses, for your industry, for your peace of mind. So we're back and very excited. The buzz today perfect vision question mark well if you think about vision you think about the eye doctor you think about the optometrist you think about the eye chart and you think about is your vision 2020 but enough hints let me get started the finance function in most organizations has traditionally focused on the past you know expense control spreadsheet driven accounting management reporting yada yada that's what you always did fast forward to now it's imminent what the full adoption of digital technologies. So with changes to your finance operating model and your technology and your people, your finance 2020 organization, and we say that as a given, there will be a finance 2020 organization. It can become a predictive analytics powerhouse, wow, as well as a go-to decision support source for adding new value to your business. That's big news. Some analysts, however, say... Digital may kill finance. Well, that's not something we want to know about. However, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Maybe it's not so bad. Most important, if this is going to happen and it's imminent and it's going to happen, the train is coming down the tracks and you can't stop it, how will your organization cope with the transformation of finance? Very important topic. So important that we have assembled a panel of three experts from all over the world who are going to weigh in on this and help you figure it out. First, Next up, I'm delighted to welcome back a previous speaker. He is David Axon, A-X-S-O-N. He's Managing Director with Accenture Strategy, and David leads Accenture's Global CFO Strategies Practice. Now, David has sent me an opening quote from Peter Schwartz. Those of you who are not familiar with Mr. Schwartz, he was is he was born in 46, is an American futurist, an innovator, an author, and co-founder of the Global Business Network, which is a corporate strategy firm specializing in future think and scenario planning. And just a little side note, that coming from parents who fled Nazi concentration camps, left Germany, moved to Norway and the U.S., Peter Schwartz attended college on a full scholarship scholarship. 
and he won a National Merit Scholarship. He is quite the mover and shaker, certainly a very interesting guy, and he's written several books, including The Art of the Long View, which is considered the seminal publication on scenario planning. It was voted the best all-time book on the future by the Association of Professional Futurists, and they should know, and it's used as a textbook by many business schools. Here's the quote. The end result of great forecasting is not an accurate picture of tomorrow, but better decisions about the future. David Axon, welcome. How are you today? Very well, Bonnie. It's great to be back. Thank you so much. Love the quote. I really enjoyed reading about the great success story, who is Peter Schwartz, and a very interesting guy. So this is an interesting quote. We're talking about Finance 2020, so we're already talking about future. We're talking about forecasting. We're talking about tomorrow. Perfect quote. Tell me why you picked it, David. Uh, I think it really encapsulates the changing mindset that finance professionals are going to have to embrace. As you said in your intro, Looking backwards has been the mantra in finance for a long time. After all, the very word accounting means that you're accounting for stuff that has already happened. And the beauty about looking backwards is detail um, you know, is valuable. Uh, the more detailed something is, the more accurate it tends to be. Uh, things add up, they balance, and they're correct. As soon as you shift your perspective to begin to look towards the future, all bets are off. In fact, the more detailed your forecast or the more detailed your budget, the more variances that you will create. And this is a very interesting mindset change for the finance professional in allowing them to become comfortable with ambiguity. You know, we see it all the time. How many of us are willing to bet this year's paycheck on what the oil price will be on December the 31st this year? <laughs> Frankly, how many of us would have been willing to bet this year's paycheck on whether the forecast of the results of the Iowa caucuses yesterday uh, were accurate or not. Uh, they clearly turned out to be uh, somewhat flawed, and there we're dealing with data that was captured within 48 hours of an event occurring. And yet in business, we're trying to think, you know, three, six, nine, 12 months into the future. When we think mm-hmm. about long-range planning, we may be thinking three, five, 15, 20 years into the future. So adopting that future mindset means that we need to think about variability and uncertainty. And what Schwartz is really encapsulating in that quote is forecasting is not necessarily futile, but what it does is it provides you with a frame of reference to understand when the future is changing. And it's how quickly you identify that and the actions and decisions you take upon that information rather than the purity of your forecast or the accuracy of your budget that matter when you're trying to run an enterprise today. Thank you, David. Something you said among your many, many very interesting points there was uh, the idea of ambiguity. Is that something that is supposed to be in the DNA of anybody in the finance profession, David? Just briefly, it sounds to me like, what? I'm, I deal with the facts. I live with spreadsheets or whatever the digital equivalence is. You're telling me now I have to deal with ambiguity? Is that an ouch? Is that a, a, a cause for a nervous breakdown? Yeah. yeah. When we when I trained as a CPA, I say I'm a recovering accountant. I've been trying to recover for the last 25 years. You know, we're trained that things are precise and accurate. We're trained they add up and they balance. And now we're told that no matter what we do, no matter how much energy we pour into a budget, the only thing that's certain is it will be wrong. We don't know where, we don't know when, but it is going to happen. And that requires a very, very different mindset, a different set of skills and tools and behaviors. If you're going to be an effective finance professional in the future, 
Yes, you're going to look backwards, but you're only going to look backwards into the extent to which it can inform your potential view of the future. I think it's actually incredibly exciting and liberating, but for some people, it's hugely uncomfortable. <laughs> ah, thank you. That word just jumped out at me. I'm glad you were willing to talk about it. Thank you. Reality check, everybody. It's not always number clear. It's not always all adding up to the expected bottom line. And I, please don't get me started on the Iowa caucus. That that almost uh, raising the hairs at the back of your neck, the, the Clinton-Sanders close the photo finish what 49.8 to 49.6 or something like that i finally turned off the tv at 12 o'clock i couldn't stand the excitement anymore and i don't really know if anybody thinks anybody won that but it certainly is it shows the sentiment but uh david i can't imagine the people who had to actually calculate that with certainty uh your your point is very well taken let's move on not to get into politics our second guest is Bo lickaga i'm trying to pronounce it the right way he spells it l y k K-E-G-A-A-R-D. He's an associate VP for the Software Tracker, Public Cloud Services Tracker, and European Enterprise Applications Research at IDC. Bo is a newcomer to Game Changers Radio, and he has sent me a very interesting quote from Leo Tzu. That's L-A-O-T-Z-U, also spelled as L-A-O-Z-I. So Leo Tzu is probably another pronunciation. Leo Tzu was a philosopher and a poet of ancient China. He is the reputed author of the Tao Te Ching. And I hope I'm pronouncing this. I think Bo's last name is easier to pronounce than this. And the founder of philosophical Taoism and as a deity in religious Taoism and traditional Chinese religions. I'm just going to stop there. Here's the quote. If you do not change direction, you may end up where you are heading. Bo, welcome. Thanks a lot, Bunny. I'm happy to be on the show. Thank you. Talk to me. All right. Yeah, so, so the, the quote is all about change. That's the, the central part of the quote. And, and and the interesting thing about it is, if we if we don't change uh, direction, I mean, the, the basically the quote begs the question: if we like where we're heading to, and I think for the the case of of, of many finance departments, is that they are very far from that future uh, you you mentioned in the beginning about this perfect visibility. Current finance is very much in in many organizations about spreadsheets, manual consolidation, and backwards-looking uh, view on, on, on the enterprise. And so, basically, uh, we're looking at, at very drastic change needed for, 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 uh, for finance department, and hence, hence this idea uh, about changing, uh, basically, where we're uh, go- going to. So, basically, at, at IDC, when we look into the, um, the future for finance, um, I guess the essence of it is is less transactional accounting, less uh, focus on legal reporting, and much more kind of strategic and business-oriented role for finance. And uh, we're just basically seeing a, a, a change from finance being a, a doer of the transactional uh, and traditional kind of financial tasks into becoming much more of a facilitator and an owner of the financial process. A lot of these traditional tasks will be automated, mm-hmm. and um, we're we're expecting uh, a lot of organizations using these uh, new cloud technologies and the um, and the opportunities they bring to to really go global 
with their financial systems um, and and also use the kind of uh, the, the possibilities of these cloud applic- applications to um, you know enable concepts like self service finance. How about that? I mean, why you know expense management, procurement, reporting. Why should finance clerks be involved in all of that? Uh, this will move to self-service, a lot of it. And that's also going to free up finance to do, you know, new things. But is that scary, Bo? Is that scary in terms <laughs> of how the workforce people, we talked about ambiguity with David Axon. Now you're saying that jobs may be threatened. I don't know, are drones going to be doing the, the finances soon? I'm, I don't mean to be facetious, but just a quick thought about that. Uh, how much is going to be done automated and what's going to happen to people entering the field? Where will they find the excitement? Right. I think, uh, I think uh, you know, it's, this is not about, uh, you know, hordes of, um, of unemployed uh, finance clerks. Uh, it's, it's really about kind of redirecting the efforts to, into things that are much more kind of value-adding and, uh, and, 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 and of business value. So I think uh, for, for, for the finance clerk who is, um, who is very confident and, and, and happy to do, uh, you know, repeatable transactional tasks, mm-hmm. There is a problem for that person. So, so I think there is a kind of a, a change in the finance department, and, and but a lot of opportunities for those who are really want to get closer to to business uh, operations, to performance management, and to really kind of more interesting long-term value-adding uh, tasks. Thank you, and I think that's that's the way it's heading, and that's that's very important. Thank you so much. As we're talking about finance 2020, thank you, Bo. Pleasure to meet you. And by the way, are you calling from Denmark today, from Copenhagen? I am indeed. And what time of day or evening is it there? Uh, it's just after uh, six o'clock in in the evening. Okay. So well, we're very happy you're taking some of your some of your evening time and and remember I want you to go check out in uh, in the middle of Copenhagen I'd like you to check out a cafe called the living room a friend of mine <laughs> owns it and and just tell him you know Bonnie and I'm sure he'll do something special for you. So they have a great Moroccan room, apparently, that's just unlike any other cafe in the whole country, maybe the world. I don't know. So that's where you're going to go after the show, I'm sure. Thank you, Bo. No pitch there from me. And bringing on our third panelist, she is also no stranger to Game Changers Radio in the finance world. It's Birgit Starmans, S-T-A-R-M-A-N-N-S. She's Senior Director for Product Marketing with SAP Marketing, SAP S4HANA, and SAP Fiori. A little bit bigger. Busy this year, Birgit is. And she sent me a quote from Steve Jobs. Of course, you all remember Steve Jobs. I don't know if you know that his full name was Stephen Paul, nicknamed Steve Jobs. And he, he lived very short life, but made quite an impression on the world and changed our lives completely. Interesting side note, Birgit, Steve Jobs passed away on October 5th, 2011, which was the day I introduced Game Changers Radio by SAP. That was wow. our very first... Very first show, and when we got off the air, we we heard the news that he had passed away. So I'll never forget the day he died. But here's the quote. Innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. To the point, just like Steve Jobs always was. Birgit, welcome back, and a belated Happy New Year. How have you been? I've been great, thank you. And Happy New Year to you, Bonnie. Thank you. Lovely to have you back. So talk to me. You picked a Steve Jobs quote this time. How does this relate to 2020 for finance? Well, it's interesting because when I was first on the show, 2020 seemed so far away, and now yes. it seems like it's just around the corner. Time is just flying. 
but living in Silicon Valley, I thought it was only a matter of time until I picked the Steve Jobs quote. And I picked this because I'm finding that business models in general are changing, and finance really needs to change with it. So finance can't continue to just go ahead and do the old processes over and over. So I have a couple of examples for that. Um, For example, barriers for entry are lower in a digital environment, and we're definitely seeing new business models. I know we all have seen, for example, in the taxi cab industry. Um, barrier for entry was usually getting a fleet of taxi cabs and hiring employees, etc. But with companies such as Uber and Lyft, um, actually the, the big news in San Francisco is that Yellow Cab is about to file for bankruptcy. So oh, no. they are definitely changing business models and all departments from HR to finance, etc., they all need to be able to change with them. So we need to be able to evolve how we run our business, run it more like a startup, which is something that I heard in a meeting yesterday, that uh, every business unit should really consider itself a startup and be on the leading edge. And when it comes to finance, it's also how we talk about it. So Steve Jobs always talked about having millions of songs in your pocket, not we have this little device and it's got a bigger hard drive now, et cetera, but you know, here are all these songs. So I think finance also needs to evolve its language. Um, so in addition to being more forward-looking, and I agree with my co-panelists on that, being more predictive, um, being able to help figure out what the financial implications of business decisions are, it's also the language that needs to evolve. Instead of evolve, not just, well, here's a balance sheet and here's a P&L statement, but really changing the language of you know, imagine if we can do this, imagine if we invested here, this is what it could look like, and not just go back to balance sheets, but also looking at more of the planning and predictive modeling and really showing the company where it can go, not just with the spreadsheet, but really in how we talk about things. So I think making financial information easier to understand for the operating segments because sometimes um, in one of the CFO.com surveys that we've done in the past, one of the biggest issues with self-service was that other business areas did not understand what that financial information meant. So finance can be an educator in that role. Uh, This is what you're looking at. This is what it means. And also make it easier to understand so they can really educate marketing, sales, manufacturing, operations, HR, et cetera. So there are multiple reasons why I picked this quote. But if you're a leader, it's that whole first mover advantage that we all learned about in college, um, Mm -hmm. being able to get there and, and really define a market in a unique way. And finance needs to be able to move with that. Interesting. So the role of finance, when you say they have to educate all of the other lines of business, it sounds like their role is expanding, their workday is expanding. You mentioned the word imagination, Birgit, and I asked David Axon a few minutes ago about ambiguity. So now you're saying finance professionals have to live with ambiguity. They have to become teachers, leaders, innovators, visionaries, and they have to have imagination. Is that in the DNA of the current, shall I use the word fleet, pardon me, the current fleet or cohort of finance professionals? professionals who are working today, Birgit? Is this, is this breaking news? I, I think it's, um, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, I think that we're seeing that, yeah, especially in some of the smaller companies, we're seeing more millennials take roles in finance, and I think it is more in their DNA because they really grew up with a digital way of working. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for some others, I mean, we're still always going to have to provide financial statements. 
that's not going to go away. So then the question is, does finance divide up into you know, kind of two sub-departments where one still needs to do that reporting, but then we really have that aspect of finance um, that does have that imagination because I think that's going to be critical. You can't just look backwards. Um, you have to be able to figure, figure out how best to look forward and really identify what are those business drivers, not just, well, I've got my GL account here and this is what receivables say and here's my expense account, but what is the detail behind that and really digging into the operational aspect to understand that. So I think that's, that's going to be critical for finance going forward and it will involve a change management process and it probably involves some educational processes as well. Uh, but finance does see itself expanding. Um, we're finding that more and more finance is expecting to be able to work, work more closely with their other business counterparts and many of them are starting to do that. Many of them are, are thinking that their roles are going to expand within their companies into other areas as well. So they need to be able to handle that and find the right language in order to communicate with those other departments. Thank you very much. Great overview. Appreciate all three of you. And now it's time for us to get to know a little bit about you personally. So I'm going to circle back to David Axon at Accenture. David, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? And what are you drinking right now? What's in your cup today? Or if you'd like to, you can tell us what you drank on New Year's Eve, if it was special, or what you're going to drink after the show. David Axon? Well, I'm actually talking to you from sunny Akron, Ohio, in the Midwest here in the United States. Uh, it's around about 12.30, so I just had an early lunch, so I could be ready for this call. Uh, in my cup at the moment, and this actually relates back to my New Year story as well, with hmm. the family, we went down to Costa Rica and spent uh, actually spent New Year's Eve in some hot springs uh, by a oh. volcano in the mountainous region of Costa Rica, and Costa Rica is pretty famous for its coffee. Uh, so we brought mm-hmm. some back, and I've got this beautifully rich Costa Rican coffee city in my mug at the moment, uh, which is a bit of a change from the uh, quantity over quality approach to coffee I often find in America. Uh, if it's bigger, it must be better. That seems to be the mantra. Uh, so I'm <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse I, I, me. Happy- <laughs> hey, hey. A, a venti latte here would feed a uh, uh, would uh, quench the thirst of a family of twenty in Italy. Um, <laughs> So it's good okay, to have you got on me. the line because he's in Copenhagen, one of my favorite cities with beautiful, uh, beautiful coffee hut shops there. Uh, my daughter fell in love with Copenhagen. She spent six months on a study abroad there two years ago and uh, is passionate about returning to Denmark. So I have very fond memories and uh, envy Bo his location for his work. Mm, and I bet your daughter visited the living room cafe. You got to ask her for me if she knows the living room with their Moroccan room. I bet she did. Your comment is so funny about the size of the vente, <laughs> David. I accept. I accept your challenge there. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm glad you had a wonderful time on New Year's. Sounds like an ideal vacation for the family. Lovely. And let's see now, Bo Likagar in Copenhagen. We know what time of day it is. It's evening. What are you drinking right now? Or tell us something about what you. Would like to drink? I am actually drinking uh, a coffee, going back to uh, David's uh, comment. Um, It is an espresso coffee. Uh, It's more specifically an Americano, uh, as it would be called in in Italy, I guess. Um, So it's a little bit bigger than, um, it's kind of a big espresso. I think for me, you know, having... um, done kind of starting drinking espresso coffee I I can't go back to filter coffee never ever so that's what I like Americano very appropriate for the show 
Very, very appropriate. Thank you very much. Although we do have to level set here. We're talking about finance professionals and finance 20, 2020. Bo, <laughs> what we're talking about in terms of the change of the profession and the forward looking yeah. rather than back, it is a global concept, correct? It is going to hit the That's world right. finance. Okay, good. Thank you very much. And glad to know what you're drinking. And Birgit Starmans, what's in your cup today? Or what did you have fun drinking on New Year's? Whatever. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I was a little bit boring on New Year's this year, I have to admit. So I've already had my caffeine earlier, and I decided not to have caffeine during the show so I don't talk too fast. Uh, I'm going to have another, the normal California thing. I get a service that actually provides organic, uh, locally grown fruits and vegetables, and I think I ordered too many oranges and tangerines, so I actually squeezed some orange juice today, so it's coming straight from the fruit, so I know that there are no preservatives in it. But it's really fresh. I'm kind of happy that I ordered too many oranges. I think I'm going to have to do that more often now. It's it's very delicious. Very nice. That's the first time we've, in a long time, we've heard somebody talk about fresh squoze orange juice. And by the way, David and Birgit know me that I only have water on radio show days. They don't let me have any caffeinated beverages, but don't tell anybody. I did rev up my brand new red Nespresso Virtue line about an hour ago and had a decaf espresso with some foam 1% milk in it. And it was really good, but it was decaf. So I'm, Birgit, you and I will make sure we don't talk too fast. You'll look out for me and I'll look out for you, okay? That's perfect, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you very much. So now that we've introduced, we have our great quotes. We've met our panelists. We know how smart and interesting they are. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, David Axon at Accenture and I are going to kick off the roundtable. We're going to do a little historical looking at the history of finance, and we're going to look at the new CFO agenda. So you don't even want to think about touching that mouse, that app, that dial, because we'll be back in 60 seconds. So count them right now. Michael. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. S4 HANA Finance, powered by SAP, is part of SAP S4 HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP S4 HANA Finance draws upon innovative in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4 HANA Finance at SAP.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back speaking today with David Axon at Accenture, Bo Likagar at IDC, and Birgit Starmans at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Our topic today 
Finance 2020, is it the death of finance via the hands of digital? And if we're looking ahead to 2020, well, what is Finance 2020 and how much transformation has to happen between now and then? As Birgit pointed out, 2020, when Barbara Walters used to say, it sounded so far away. And now we're already in February 2016. Do the math. It isn't far off at all. So you better think about it, right? So David Axon, I'm looking at your notes. So let's get started on the roundtable. We've already covered some of the history, financial planning, corporate performance management, enterprise performance, value creating going forward. But let's talk about the new CFO agenda. David, I think that's what our listeners around the world want to know about, driving growth in our increasingly volatile global digital marketplace while helping to ensure compliance and delivering ever more enterprise value. You have a lot of elements to this. David, why don't you take us through them, please? Yeah, I think this is a truly transformational era in finance. I've been working in the space for 30 years, and I've seen a lot of promises uh, go unfulfilled. Uh, I really do believe we're on the cusp of a true transformation in the value finance and the CFO adds to the enterprise. Uh, Our most recent Accenture research talks about the increased role and relevance of the CFO in the strategic conversation and in the board level conversation. You know, trying to understand disruption opportunities and the financial implications on the P&L and balance sheet. We're also seeing CFOs understand that digital means a lot more than just mobile, cloud, analytics, and social, which is what people have been talking about for the last three, four, five years. When we begin to think about the technologies that are truly transforming business, whether it's drones, near-field communications, machine-to-machine communication, machine learning, robotics, virtual augmented reality, cognitive computing, uh, blockchain currencies, uh, 3D printing and RFID, the implications on working capital, expense structure, operating model, and the sources of revenue and how you measure success in the marketplace are fundamentally changing. You know, just last week, we had Netflix announce the expansion of their service into 130 new countries within one year. Imagine expanding your business into 130 new markets in one year. It'd be Mm. unprecedented. You know, Blockbuster couldn't have achieved that just 15 or 20 years ago when they were the Netflix of their day. So we truly are seeing a fundamental change in the way enterprise does business. And for the CFO, the fundamental question is, how do we capture the opportunities digital provides without destroying our existing business? So how do we coexist and manage that transformation in the face of a changing environment in which we operate? Because there are huge opportunities for incumbent players. And it's not just a game of new entrants destroying existing marketplaces. Incumbents have a phenomenal opportunity to be part of that transformation. And the CFO is looking to find cash and capital to fund that transformation. So it's a tremendously exciting time, and we're seeing CFOs who are much more digitally aware and connected about what's going in the marketplace, what their customers in the marketplace are demanding, what their competitors are investing in, and then determining, how do I measure success? How do I predict and forecast behavior? How do I make smart capital allocation decisions in the face of this uncertainty? So it's a tremendously exciting time, but at the same time, it's increasing the demands upon finance. And as Bo very rightly said, 
we can't consume all of our energy playing about with spreadsheets and processing accounts payable if we're really trying to understand what the impact of 3D technology could be on our inventory when our customer starts printing our products out rather than ordering them and us shipping them from our warehouse once they've been produced in our factories. It truly is a transformational age that creates a lot of opportunity that we should be looking to capitalize on. You make it sound so exciting, and I want to know it if is. Bo Lickegaard, I know, and Bo Lickegaard at IDC, do you agree? Talk to us. What do you think about the new CFO agenda, Bo? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's very uh, interesting, um, the, the points that uh, David uh, race, raises, and and. I think the, the, the finance departments, um, you know, where they are today, which are basically a lot of them building on aging kind of back office applications and they are wrapped in, in spreadsheets to make sense of all of it and to kind of adopt it to this new world and new business model that, that David um, is talking about, uh, I think finance has to pick its battles. And, um, and I think one of these battles um, is to, let's say, lower the the ambition in terms of the technology that, that um, they're, they're using. So it's okay. I mean, um, Burkett is talking about the sharing economy with the uh, taxis. I think there's going to be a sharing economy with finance applications as well. So finance departments will share applications as cloud applications. It's not going to be a differentiator what sort of on-premise, deeply customized application you have. Don't pick your battle there. Go for, you know, that, that kind of um, application that you can take ownership of, and then you can pick your battle on, on the business models and on the performance management on those areas that, that David raised. Very interesting. Very provocative. Birgit, we have a lot to think about here from what David introduced and Bo's additional comment. What do you see, Birgit? Um, I, I, I agree with both of them. There's something that David said struck a chord in that finance is looking for new opportunities, yet you've still got your current business that's going on. So I think one of the things that they're going to tend to evaluate is things like um, cannibalization of, of their own products as they move into these new models um, to make sure that they can continue to fund uh, the growth of the business without cannibalizing too much. And I really like what Bo said about the sharing economy. Um, there's a lot of information out there, and something that I'm just seeing is that finance is not just looking at internal information anymore. They're also looking at some external information, so more market information, and that way they can compare themselves to their competitors better, and they can also see how they're doing. Is this a, a general economic trend in terms of their company's performance? Um, how are they doing in relation to their competitors? So so that's going to become a more strategic activity there, there, and that's something that they're definitely going to be sharing in the boardroom. So uh, analytics tools are going to be very critical for that. So I completely agree with Bo that you know, let's not pick the battle in, in a deeply ingrained system, but let's, let's look at where finance can provide the, the most value. And it is really in that whole predictive, forward-looking activity. So that's something that finance, I think, is going to get more and more involved in, not just looking at its own company's information. It was just initially, yeah, here's my management accounting information, here are my GL accounts. Then it started to expand to some of the more operational things, um, information from manufacturing, information from sales and marketing. But now really looking at the external information, the market information, the trend information, the global economic health, I think all of these things are going to need to be factored in. So it really requires a a larger vision on the on the part of finance. 
sounds very demanding to me. David Axon, love to know what you think. It's a very demanding change. Uh, the interesting <coughs> thing is finance doesn't have to do this alone. It's in collaboration and partnership. And uh, the talent that we're beginning to see emerge in finance is not strictly just accountants anymore. You know, I was down in South Africa over the summer and I met with the CFO of one of the largest banks in South Africa. And he said, I'm not hiring accountants into my finance organization today. You know, I'm hiring data scientists, quantitative mathematicians, but I'm also hiring people with an anthropological background and a psychological background so we can begin to understand how behavior changes in the marketplace create opportunities or threats that may manifest themselves in impact on our P&L and balance sheet going forward. And also, when we think about the future, and going back to my original point about dealing with ambiguity, we mm-hmm. want people that can bring different points of view to the table and not just have a linear mindset that says, well, the last 18 months of financial results look like X. So we'll just project out the next 18 months as being business as usual, but can actually bring that contrarian point of view to the table that simply enriches the debate and the dialogue that finance can have with business decision makers and really add insight and intelligence to the data that's now available uh, for finance to begin to use. So I think we're seeing some collaboration opportunities. We're seeing a broader and richer set of skills manifest themselves in finance. And careers in finance and leading companies today are becoming more attractive because that, you know, spreadsheet mentality, as I like to say, we're finally liberating the finance professional from the tyranny of the spreadsheet. We're actually giving them the opportunity to use their education and learning and not just make them number crunchers or report producers. Thank you, David. Guess what? I'm looking at Bo Likagar's talking statements you sent me before the show, Bo, and I'd like to go in an area I don't think we've covered yet. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, You say fraud prevention is becoming more difficult, maybe nearly impossible, but finance can prevent fraud in a fast web-based self-service world. These are fighting words, Bo. This is putting yourself out on a limb there and saying, yes, we can do the impossible, I think, and I don't even know that much about it. So, Bo, why don't you take us through this and let's see what your co-panelists have to say, Finance 2020. What about fraud prevention? Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, because it is... Um you know, a new world in which um, I think uh, Berger talked about it, you know, in which uh, self-service finance, they'll have to educate people, involve people. There's going to be other stakeholders in, involved as well, needing access to systems uh, as, um, you know, even kind of auditors coming uh, online into a company system. So a lot of people, a lot of self-service, a lot of access, how, how are you going to kind of control all of that? And I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, what is needed is, is, is a mindset change in that you can't prevent fraud uh, with, which, uh, with uh, such an kind of open system. But the, the, what you can do is use a lot of these new technologies to do controls and, and, um, and checks in real time and let, them, uh, kind of, um, let the system do it uh, itself. And I think that's the, the, the future of a kind of fraud prevention and uh, risk mitigation is to have the systems themselves do that sort of, of, of checks that the CFO or, or finance clerks used to do manually to do it in real time all the time. And so not to be able to prevent, but to be able to react very quickly and to and, and this way kind of build resilience into the uh, financial system. 
Hmm. Interesting. Birgit, thoughts? I completely agree with Bo by automating some of these processes, then finance can actually make decisions on base, based on that information. So we're not trying to automate to the point where systems make decisions for us. They might recommend some decisions. But if finance were to have to evaluate all of this data manually, they would never have time to make a decision or something would get missed because they're always in the past manually consolidating all this information. But if we can automate that analysis process and then present the results to finance, and this is where some of that imagination and creativity comes in that we were talking about earlier, is that finance can then use that information to to make an informed decision. So again, we're not trying to have systems make decisions for us, we can, the system can recommend um, based on certain parameters. This might be option one, two, or three um, of how to mitigate some risk when it comes to something like fraud. But at the same time, it's still going to be a human decision based on that information. But the more quickly we make that information available to finance and the rest of the organization, the more quickly and the more informed the decision can be. Interesting. David Axon, agree or disagree? This is interesting Thread? I, I, I think the security element is fascinating. It's changing the whole security and control mindset that finance needs to be aware of. You know, traditionally, we've built a lot of checks and balances in the form of detective controls, you know, a three-way match in the accounts payable process, bank account reconciliations. They're all post-event controls. The speed of the transaction flow in a digital world doesn't really allow you the luxury of time. So you need to build in a preventative controls that are not intrusive to the transaction execution itself and real-time monitoring of what's going on. I'll tell you a real story that blew me away just not too long ago. I mentioned earlier that I was in South Africa over the summer. Uh, my wife and I landed at uh, Johannesburg Airport. We were leaving the airport and we bought uh, two tickets for the uh, train to take us into the city center. Before we had reached the platform, I received a phone call from my bank to validate that this was a valid transaction. So less than 45 seconds after I bought bought $40 worth of train tickets in the airport in South Africa, uh, they had called me to verify this was not a fraudulent transaction. And they also then informed me that they were uh, setting up credit checks on my account to monitor transaction flow because there had been a history of credit card information being stolen from that particular location in the airport. So they were protecting me, delivering great customer service without impeding my transaction flow. Not too long later, my cell phone company sent me a text message that identified that I was now in South Africa and retroactively changing my billing plan so I didn't incur excessive charges. So these are examples where digital technologies are dramatically enhancing customer service while at the same time also improving the management of risk. This has financial value to an organization, and I'm seeing CFOs look at how they can build those types of capabilities in their order to cash and procurement to pay processes. So it's going to be truly revolutionary. There are significant risks associated with it, but our opportunity to be able to combine enhanced levels of security with improved customer service, I think is hugely attractive in this new digital world. 
Very interesting. I'm I'm remembering the last time I bought one of my iMac 27-inch screens um, at the Apple store, David, and Apple wanted to know, I think it was my Visa card, wanted to know if I was really making a transaction of that size because I don't usually use the card for anything. You know, it was a couple of thousand dollars, I guess. And uh, they sent me a text message. Unfortunately, the Apple store was very noisy. My phone was in my purse. I never got it. So when the salesperson put through the charge, it was rejected and put on hold by Visa, and I was completely embarrassed, mortified, (laughs) because I have so much credit on my Visa, I don't use it that much, and I thought, OMG, what happened here? They just basically caused me a very embarrassing uh, social hiccup in a a, uh, retail situation, so I had to call Visa and say, what the blank is going on? You know I'm good for it. They said, oh, didn't you get our text? So anyway, I'm glad you and your wife had your phone ready to get that text message as you were getting ready to go on the train and it didn't interrupt your trip. I guess it works both ways. Birgit, I'm looking at your talking points here. Some interesting, you keep uh, referring CFO.com survey. I think there's some interesting pieces here I'd like to include in the conversation before we go to our crystal ball predictions round in about seven minutes. So Birgit, you say, in a 2014, which seems ages ago, Birgit, CFO.com survey, and this was the next stage in creating the value-added finance function, which is really what we're talking about, only 12% of finance organizations stated that they could respond or can respond to finance information requests in real time. And one more thing, 83% of finance executives agreed that better reporting and visualization capabilities are required for better decision-making. So what's the overall gist of this? How ready did they feel they were in 2014, and do you think that's changed already, Birgit? Uh, I think they were feeling that they were getting to be a closer business partner, and that put additional requirements on them. Because mm-hmm. the year before, in 2013, they wanted to be a more strategic business partner, but felt they weren't there at all. The fact that they're looking at new tools and understanding what that requirement means to be a more strategic business partner and having information there at the ready definitely shows that finance was starting to transform their own organizations. So in that, in that sense looking at the different ways to visualize. Finance is very comfortable with looking at very transactional level detail, drilling down on different financial statements, cost center reports, you name it. But all of a sudden, if you're communicating to other areas of the organization, we need that better visualization. And it's not just the executive dashboard, although if you're going to a boardroom, you need that as well. But being able to really demonstrate, and that goes back to the whole idea of having finance be able to communicate in a way that the other departments can understand. So the fact that they were already looking at 2014, and it does seem ages ago, that they were already looking for better visualization, better analytics capabilities, shows that they were becoming more engaged in the organization. And then I can also jump ahead to 2015 mm-hmm. because yeah. looking at um, their career path, they're finding that they are becoming that strategic business partner, and they found that many other areas are going to end up um, being under their purview. And it's kind of interesting that we were talking about fraud earlier because that does involve things like IT, it involves things like risk management, also mergers and acquisitions. So I feel like even since 2014, finance has gotten closer to that because if they're looking at mergers and acquisitions, they're obviously being a very strategic partner to the CEO. And if they are looking at IT, they're understanding um, if a lot of IT departments are beginning to report more into finance. 
So that means that they're understanding and becoming more, t- more comfortable with the technology, looking at risk management, which goes back to the fraud management topic that, that Bo brought up. So I think that finance has made leaps and bounds in just a short two to three years. So I think they're definitely becoming more comfortable with the technology, working more closely with the business and understanding that they need to change the way that they actually do their own business in the finance organization in order to continue to grow that way. Thank you very much. Good insights. David Axon, thoughts on what Birger just introduced? I think she makes a very powerful point, the ability to deliver that insight in a timely fashion. You know, Bo made a comment earlier about self-service. Self-service allows for more immediacy and more on-demand. But what finance then has to add is the analytic capability to support that. I have a very simple definition of how finance delivers insight. It's the ability to be able to consistently answer three questions. What's happening? Why is it happening? And what should we do about it? Historically, we've done a very good job at the first one. You know, sales are down. When it comes to the why is it happening, we rarely get beyond, oh, it's volume rate or mix. We don't really understand what's driving the volume variance, what's driving the rate variance, or what's driving the mix variance. And we have relatively little energy, never mind time left, by the time Mm -hmm. we've assembled all the information, to start to think about what are the alternative decisions we may want to take based upon the results of this analysis. The mantra I communicate to my client teams today is, your job as a finance professional starts when you deliver the report and starts when you deliver the analysis. Because the reporting and analysis that finance delivers is only as good as the decisions that result from it. And that's another mindset change. We typically think when we hit send on the email to deliver the report to somebody, our job is done. Our job is not done. Finance being a business partner means that your job starts when you hit send, not end when you hit send. Mm, That's something we want to write on the side of a building or crochet on a pillow. I like that a lot. Bo Lickengard at IDC, what do you observe? We had some interesting notices from Birgit about some surveys, and then David added his POV. What do you see? Yeah, um, actually... um, if it's about uh, if it's about uh, reporting, um, uh, yeah, basically, uh, I would like to circle back to something that that Birgit, um, uh, yeah. talked about uh, a while ago, which was, and also that David talked about, which is this new role of finance and how do you how do you evolve finance? I mean, uh, there was this exa- example from South Africa starting to hire kind of new employee types for the finance department. But then once you do that, you then have, uh, as, as Birgit said, kind of old finance with the transaction and the, 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 the legal reporting and so on, period, close. And then you have kind of the forecasters and the business savvy, um, more creative types uh, doing that sort of thing. And I think uh, it, 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 it is a way to start maybe that way, but it, I, I think ultimately – um, kind of old and new has to connect. You, you can't you can't have two kind of departments within finance. You, they have to connect. You have to connect um, the historic transaction down to the lowest level to that more creative uh, forecasting exercise that David has talked about. So it, it is a, a, a kind of an overall evolution of, of the finance department to to be able to articulate. As, as Birgit is saying, all the way down to that kind of transactional detail and what it actually is and what it actually means, what we're actually measuring. 
Thank you. Birgit, any thoughts on this? Wrapping it up, I have one very important comment I want to make before ooh, we're at the prediction cycle. You know what, Birgit, let me ask this to you. Um, I'm going to use one question for all of you for your predictions for Crystal Ball. The question is, we talked about, is digital killing finance? And I'm going to pose it slightly differently. Will the finance department disappear? According to Bo, yes and no. We don't have time for a lot of exposition on that. But let me start with David Axe. And David, instead of predicting for 2020, because that's the topic of our show, let's just come cut right to the bone. Will finance department disappear by 2020? Yes or no? And I'm going to give you about a minute for your prediction response. Go ahead, David. Yes, as we know it. Uh, what we are seeing is, and it's happening already today, finance is really breaking into three distinct capabilities. All the back office transaction accounting and processing is being integrated end-to-end throughout the enterprise, which combines elements of finance activity with purchasing, receiving, order management. So, for example, you link the purchasing, you link the receiving, and you link the payables activity together in an end-to-end process. And you create a business services organization that does all of that, that embraces significant elements of what finance does today. We then have centers of excellence around analytics, reporting, and insight that are cross-functional in nature. So they bring finance capability together with marketing and sales capability, operations capability. So we can really deliver integrated analytics that connect the dots from market, customer, and consumer behavior all the way through to financial outcomes. And the bit of finance that actually remains is those fiduciary responsibilities around tax, treasury, um, controllership activities, and potentially investor relations as well. So you have a control and communications capability that is really the hub and is what remains of the traditional corporate finance organization. So my answer is a yes. Interesting. Okay. Bo, look, I got this from your notes, so I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Bo, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to say a little bit more of a, a yes and no. Um, I agree with um, with David that the, the whole kind of transactional uh, part of it is going to shrink tremendously as, as um, it becomes ingrained and automated. Um, I do have a, a kind of a belief that the new kind of facilitator, advisor, process owner role, educator role, for finance is going to take up, you know, a lot of activity. And so there will be a finance department, but it will look very, very differently than it it does today. Okay. Brief and to the point. Thank you very much. Left plenty of time for Birgit Starman's. Birgit, same question to you. And I can give you, oh, I don't know, about a minute and a half or so. So take your time. Wow, great. I know. (laughs) That never happens. I know. Um, Go ahead. I would would agree with both David and Bo. Finance is going to look different. And to use a Silicon Valley example, um, they're wearing more hats than they used to. If you think about the startup environment, everybody is a person of many hats, and it's not as defined. So in a lot of corporations, there are very delineated ways that departments processes in place at departments, how they communicate, who does what, and it's very, very structured. I'm seeing that turning into some, being something more fluid and looking at more of matrix types of organizations and really wearing additional hats where finance is expanding and not just doing the reporting, not just doing the planning anymore, but actually getting involved in some of these other strategic strategic directions. Um, I think digital is definitely going to change the way we operate. And something that I was thinking about a little bit earlier in the show, 
um, you know, with receiving texts and, and uh, your cell phone carrier knowing where you're located or your credit card company knowing where you're located. And I think that there needs to be a balance between privacy and having that information available. Sometimes it's a little scary to me if I'm on Facebook and it'll tell me which of my friends are near me right now. So I, mm-hmm. I think that we need to figure out how to maintain that privacy because if I'm traveling, I don't think I want to post that. I usually don't post that I've been on a trip until after I come back. So I think we need to walk that fine line of providing that customer service that David was talking about and providing that self-service that that Bo was talking about and then still making sure that we maintain some of that privacy, especially if we're dealing with consumers. Um, So if we look at some some of the larger companies, we've been talking more about looking at the customers of the customer and really taking that down into that cycle and just maintaining that ability to look at information, provide that customer service, make the right decisions, but then at the same time, we want to make sure that we maintain that integrity, maintain that privacy for somebody that might not want to reveal where their location is right now. So I think that's going to be the challenge going forward um, for organizations in general, but financial information is always extremely sensitive, so I think finance is going to be at the forefront of determining what that's going to look like. Thank you very much. You used your time very well. I want to thank my three panelists for helping us kick off Season 5. We have to do a shout-out to Chris Grundy at SAP, who is sponsoring this series again. And Brad Borkin at SAP was now traveling in the U.S., where he's originally from. I think he's in Florida on his way to New Jersey. But, Birgit, we're not going to give away his exact location, so it's okay. Brad helped pull together this wonderful panel. Bo Lickergaard, so nice to have you join us. David Axon, always wonderful to speak with you. And, Birgit, what can I say? always a pleasure and I have to do a shout out to our tweeters we had someone at SAP at CFO Knowledge and we had Karen Geraldo at Deloitte tweeting their tootsies off along with me at hashtag SAP Radio if you want to see a veritable transcript go look at hashtag SAP Radio and follow along I tried to tweet as many of the words of wisdom of our guests as they spoke as I could our topic was finance in 2020 how much transformation aka will the finance department disappear you want to know the answer or you know somebody who does go look at the business channel at voiceamerica.com and look at anything with a coffee cup especially the one that says financial excellence and today's show will be available on podcast in a few minutes let's see quickly my predictions well let's see we're launching three new series this month the future of the future with game changers the future of cars with game changers launched an hour ago and the extended supply chain of the future with game changers so we definitely have a future view this year I'm Bonnie D and I want to do a shout out to Michael at the Business Channel for getting us on the air and keeping us there. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? All right, already enough. Go out and be a game changer today. We are. Talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers live 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.